Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So this morning we're going to continue in our series in the book of Colossians. We're going to be reading from uh, Colossians chapter 3, finishing up chapter 3. Nope, we're not finishing up chapter 3. We've still got a little bit of 3 to go. But it feels like we've been in 3 forever. And we've got one more Sunday in chapter 3. Uh, next week. And so uh, we'll be in chapter 3, starting in verse 15 through 17. If you guys want to turn there, uh, we're just going to open up with the reading of the passage. And so um, may you guys take this in. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we get to open your word and be reminded of your peace and of your presence and of your word in our hearts, God. And God, I pray that you would move us in a heart of thankfulness and gratitude, a heart that moves towards worship and declaring your greatness in all that we do, God. God, that we would live holistic lives on worship and on mission for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, this is kind of like an odd chunk of verses. It's kind of all over the place. I mean, we're talking about let the peace rule, and then it's talking about hymns and songs, and then it says, and everything you do, worship Christ, and then be thankful. He mentions thankfulness three times, and so it's kind of broken up, and as I was preparing, I'm just like, man, what, is, what are kind of the lines that we can like run through and focus on and say, like, this is what Paul's getting at? Because to be completely honest, it feels like he's kind of just all over the place, and like to say, like, this is the one theme or this is the one idea through the passages, uh, honestly, it's been quite difficult. Um, but the two things that I've kind of walked away from in my study through this week and my meditation this week are the two ideas. It's kind of these two verbs. And the first verb is to let. And the second verb is to worship. And so I think that what Paul's getting at here is to let and to worship. And let is just, like, can we just get out there? Like, let is just an awkward word. Like, normally let is, is brought in somewhere else. But, like, just to say to let um, it's short. I don't know. I find the word incredibly awkward and strange and kind of ambiguous in our mind. But I want to think about what it is to let someone or something happen or, or allow someone to do something. I want to think about this concept of what it is to let. And so I want you to think through what is the last thing that you let someone do? What was that? What did you let someone do? And I think that when we look at this idea of what it is to let, there's kind of an active letting and there's a passive letting. There's a passive letting in that, like the other day, I let Benjamin chew on Selah, our dog's leash. And I look over and there's Benjamin just gnawing at the leash. And I was like, well, I guess I let that happen. Very passively, I wasn't paying attention, but there he was chewing away at Selah's leash. I'm like, you need to get that out of your mouth, kid. <laughs> that is not, that is not clean. <laughs> and Huh? Yep, absolutely. I mean, he's still here. He's still doing right. <laughs> but there's this kind of passive letting that we can do. And then, then I think that there's an active form of letting. And there's this active form of letting looks like giving permission. 
And we give permission in kind of three different ways. We give permission in allowing someone to do something. And then we also give permission in a way of, I'm going to give you permission to let me teach you. Or I'm going to, in teaching somebody, I'm going to give them permission to do something. And so, for example, I love this with kids. I love it when we have kids over to our house. And one of the favorite things that we love doing with kids at our house is we like to make cookies. And so in the process of making cookies, there's a part in the step where you let the kids mix. You let the kids bust open the eggs and make a mess. You let the kids get involved in the process. And part of that is giving permission. You're saying, hey, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you step into that. And then the last place is where you let somebody help you, where you let somebody and you give permission for them to help you. So this morning, I was, <laughs> Rebecca was running late getting ready. I needed to get here. Um, my keys to my motorcycle were in someone else's pocket um, at Park Street because um, they got mixed up. I needed help getting to church, and I like, went to Jeff, and I was like, Jeff, can you give me a ride to church? And he's like, yeah. And so I let him drive me to church, and I let him drop me off, and I let him pick up my family, and I let him come here. And I know it sounds really crazy and really simple, but there was a permission granted. And in this permission granted, there's this surrendering of power. There's this humility that says, I need you. I need this thing. I can't do this on my own. And there's also kind of this deep trust and relationship that happens when you let someone do something, whether it's whether you are letting them help you and you're saying, I need help, and I'm, so I'm going to allow you to help me. You have to humble yourself and <laughs> kind of give up control. But then there's also this letting, even when you're teaching someone, where we're letting the kids get involved, where you give up control. Those cookies are going to be really messy. You're going to have to have this kind of like active patience. And so this idea to let stuff happen is something that we don't actually, I think, consciously think about all the time, but it's something that's deeply tied to relationship and deeply tied to trust. And so we let people do things all the time. We either give them permission or we withhold permission. And what we see in this verse is that there are two places in this verse where Paul is encouraging us to let Christ do something. And in this place, it is this kind of active giving up control so that Christ can do something bigger, so that we can be taught by him, so that we can be loved by him. And in, in this, in letting up, giving up control, there is relationship and there is trust. There's relationship and there's trust. And so I want to look at the first one, and it's the way that this whole verse begins. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I love that Paul used the word rule right after. It's like, let Christ, <laughs> let the peace of Christ rule. And so <laughs> he's immediately saying, look, this is the proper place where this peace is going to be. It's going to take over. It's going to be in control. And it's something that you are going to have to surrender you're going to have to surrender control. For Christ to rule and be given control and for you to let him do that, you're going to have to give something up. And in that, there's going to be a growth in relationship and trust, hopefully. Now, I don't know about you, but last week we talked about being present to God and how it's difficult to maintain presence. And part of the things that takes us away from being present to God is just a massive list of things to do in our lives. It's constantly rolling over. I need to do this. I need to do that. I've got that appointment, this appointment. I've got this thing to do. I've got this house thing that needs to be taken care of to where eventually we can get so focused on the future that we begin to get really anxious about it. 
The future becomes incredibly uncertain and we're not sure. And we can become anxious about what it is that we're going to have for dinner next. I mean, anyone be sitting at lunch or maybe it's, you know, clock sticking at four o'clock and you're like, you look in the fridge and it's empty and you're like, man, dinner just got real stressful. You start talking to your husband or wife. What do you want? I don't know. I don't care. What do you want? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you know, this thing that's just simple eating, surviving, you know, becomes incredibly anxious and frustrating and there's conflict where there wouldn't be. And Christ is saying, hey, let me step into that place. Let me come and let me rule. Let me be in that place. And so this morning, I'm just going to throw it out there and make a massive assumption and just say that there are probably some anxieties in our heart right now. There are probably some anxieties that are blocking us from experiencing worship. There's blocking us from feeling and experiencing the peace of God this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to take some active time and kind of let our anxieties go and give them up to God, and allow the peace of God to come in and rule over our hearts. And so I want to go to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to just kind of reflect the words of Christ, what he has to say around anxiety. And then I want us to enter into kind of an uncomfortable place of silence, where we can allow Christ to step into our places of anxiety. And so maybe you're at a place where you're like, you know what, I was able to to kind of block those things of anxiety this morning, but maybe you haven't surrendered them up to God and brought them up, and so in this place of silence, there's going to be a place where, like, you might get really anxious, and then hopefully there's a place of nice relief where you'll feel the peace of Christ rule because you will actively let him, you'll say, Christ, I need your help in this place, and I need you to do it for me. And it's simple. It's a simple thing. Just like it was me going to my friend Jeff this morning and say, hey, I need you to get me to church. I need you to get me here. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And so I got in the vehicle and he got me here. And so it's the same idea. Let's get into the vehicle that is Christ, that leads us to peace. And so this is what <laughs> Jesus has to say about anxiety. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, don't worry about those things. Nor the clothes on your body that you'll put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than just clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither store, sow, nor reap, nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, being, an an being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. And they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even in Solomon, in all of his glory, even he was not arrayed like one of those. But if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. So I just want to take some time and reflect on those words of Christ. And really enter in into this place of surrender, 
to this place of kind of active surrendering where we let Christ in, where we let his peace rule over us, where we trust that he has overcome the world, where we open our minds and allow his spirit to speak to us, bringing up promises and verses in the Bible that encourage us and that teach us about his spirit and his help for us. So let's just sit in some silence right now and bring our anxieties to him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house 
of the Lord forever. When we let, when we let the presence of Christ's rule and the peace of Christ's rule, it gives over to this other verb that is to worship. It gives over to this place of gratitude and thanksgiving and joy that because Christ has conquered death, because Christ has conquered this world, he's overcome it, we're able to respond in praise and adoration because of who he is and how he loves and how he leads us. And so this permission that we give him to let him do leads us to this place where we get to then to worship, where we get to praise, where we get to be thankful. The phrase to be thankful happens three times in this collection of verses. He says at the end of 15, he says, and be thankful. And after that, be thankful, he begins with another to let. He says, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In this place, the word here for word is logos. And the word logos kind of in the Greek at this time has this like incredibly euphemistic meaning for kind of the universe or, or the reason. And I think that the way that we can look at the word logos specifically in this passage, you can see it as kind of the essence or the spirit of God. And so when it says, let the spirit of Christ or let the word of Christ dwell within you richly, it does mean the Bible. It does mean the word of God that was breathed by God's spirit. But it also means the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell and rest richly within us. And that we would be present to him and that we would listen to him and that we would allow the word of Christ, that we would allow his spirit to teach us and to guide us and to encourage us. And that's what we see following in the next verse, in this verse it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Now, it's, <laughs> when I read it, I was like, let the word of Christ dwell in you. And then I read teaching and admonishing and then and I was like, and I expected it to say you. But the funny thing is that it says teaching one another in all wisdom. Paul is assuming that with the word of God dwelling in us, that it's going to naturally teach us and encourage us. And then from there, to, we are to take the next step of going and teaching and encouraging one another. All of us have been given the job and the permission to teach and encourage others. It's not just my job. It's just not the select few who have been given the spiritual gift of teaching. But all of us have been called by people that allow the Spirit of God to dwell within them to go and teach and encourage. And so I don't know about you, but I need teachers and I need to be encouraged. And I hope that you guys are seeking out teachers and that you're seeking out places to be encouraged. And I can't be in every one of your guys' lives, but I know that your guys' lives all interact with each other throughout the week, and you guys need to be teaching and encouraging one another. This is what discipleship is about. When we talk about discipleship, it is this letting God dwell within us, teaching and encouraging us, and then us going and doing that for and with one another. And when you think about it, when it comes to teaching and encouraging and allowing God to do that, it requires what? It requires letting. It requires giving permission to God to use situations in our lives to teach us, to encourage. 
And there's also permission when we go to teach, that we have to say, hey, are you going to let me teach you? There's this kind of relationship, this humility, this <laughs> rhythm of letting that goes on where I let you teach me, you let me teach you. I come to you and I say, hey, will you teach me? You come to me and you say, will you teach me? Can I receive from you? It's this kind of relationship of trust where we let one another speak into each other's lives. And I believe that this is where we talk about the idea of belonging to community, but then also being transformed and becoming who God wants us to be. And so there's a lot of power in who we let into our lives who we let speak into our lives, who we let encourage us, who we let speak truth into our lives. <laughs> There's incredible power in relationship and trust that is there. And it's my hope that we would seek each other and that we would seek first the Spirit of God to dwell inside of us and to allow Him to teach and encourage us so that we would be able to go and teach and encourage one another. And then we would go out seeking permission to, to teach. And we'd go out seeking permission to find teachers for us. I mean, it's one of the most humble things that we can do to go up to somebody and say, you've got something that I want. Would you, would you teach me? I, w- I would love to let you teach me. I'd love to let you into that space. I'd le- love to let you rule that part of my life. And it's in this place where life thrives, where we become better because we're together instead of living on an island where we think that we can do it all on our own. And what I love is that it's from this place of this mutual letting. I would say it's, it's, it's probably the best, sorry, best said is kind of mutual submission, where really it's because we don't use the word letting often all the time in our language, but and we don't even use the word submission often in our language. Submission has this really negative connotation. But it's really this idea of permission to let someone else rule over. And that's what we're saying here in this place, that we're giving permission to Christ to rule over and to teach us. And we need to mutually submit to one another where God has taught some of us, and some of us still need teaching in certain different areas. And so we submit to one another, and we view community together, and we grow in relationship, and we grow in trust, and we grow in life, and we grow in love. And it's out of this place that we see that praise and worship is born specifically in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We see this here in verse 16. It says, May you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And then he goes into saying, Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness to your hearts to God. And what I love about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is that songs are incredibly powerful. Songs tell a story. When we live in a time and we live kind of in a place where people standing and participating and singing in worship songs has kind of come down to um, like really low percentages. We're just in a place where we're like, we're just a culture that doesn't sing very often anymore. But in the past, songs were written to tell stories. There's a reason why nations choose anthems to represent themselves on the national stage. When the national anthem was written, there was an experiencing happening before that man. The war was happening, and he looked up, and the flag was still there the next day. And it inspired him to write the national anthem that became the national anthem. 
but it was the song that told the story that became a national identity. And songs are important. Songs tell the story of who our God is. The songs tell the story of who we are in Christ. They tell the story of what our identity is and what he's done amongst us and around us. And so he says, engage in song. Engage in hymns. Engage in reading the Psalms. I think he's also encouraging us to create those things. And over time, we've been given a hymn book. And over time, we've forgotten some of those hymns. I've got an old hymn book at home, and I'm flipping through them, and I know like maybe 20% of them. And as I'm looking at this hymn book, I'm just like, these are the songs of my people. Like, these are the songs of my tribe. Like, if we look back in the history, these songs mattered to people at some point. Some people experienced God in an incredibly (laughs) profound way to the point that they felt like that they needed to write it down. That they didn't need to just write it down and like tell a narrative story, but they needed to write it down in song form, that they could be sung, that it could be proclaimed. And worship is a space where we, that we get to step into, the sacred space that we get to step into and experience God and also reflect on how God has moved and to be able to tell the story of God to each other and to one another and to the world. And what I love about song. What I love about hymns and what I love about praise and worship is that it teaches us. It goes back to that teaching that let ourselves be taught. And so when we sing a praise and worship song, we should be in this place where we're asking, what is this song teaching me about who our God is? What is this song teaching me about who, what our identity is as a church, as a body of believers? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a part of this tribe of people that God has called to set our sights on heaven, on things that are above instead of things that are of this world? What does it mean to be a part of people who are being redeemed, who are being saved, who are being pulled out of darkness, who are being reborn? What does that mean? What does that look like? And here Paul's saying, here, turn towards one another. Turn towards the experience that you've had in Christ and that you have documented in song and in worship. And allow that to teach one another, to encourage one another. One of the things that I love about a song is that I will most likely remember a song over a story. And what I love is that songs tell stories, like I said. And what I love is that whenever we leave church for normally whatever that closing song is, like it's just stuck in my head the rest of the day. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that you know I'll just be sitting around and you know, the song, All the People Say Amen, just like comes into my brain. It's just like, and all the people said amen. You know, and, but, it, but it's proclaiming, oh, yeah. We're about to, you know, break into song. It's a song that we know. It's a song that tells the story of our people and of our experience with God. And I love it. And it proclaims who God is. And so what I want you guys to see this morning and what I think Paul wants to see, see this morning is that in letting, in giving permission for Christ to rule, to step into that place, we then get to experience a profound place of worship. We get to experience profound peace. We get to experience profound thanksgiving. And we get to step into a worship that teaches our heart even greater about who he is and who we are as his people. So that we can go forward into the world doing everything Onto Christ. I love the way that this passage ends. And it's also in Ephesians. Paul seems to like it too because he repeats himself. He says, And whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so this letting, this worshiping, it's all towards this end of to be able to go and do, and to do not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God, to glorify what he's done, to glorify his love, his grace, his mercy. And all that we do, to bring it into Epic, to bring it into our homes, to bring it into the grocery stores, to bring it into the servers and the waiters and the people and customer service people and people that we love to serve and, and choose to be less human. But it, Jesus calls us to go and say, do it as if you were doing it for me. Do as if you were doing it for me. Do as if you were doing it for the God who created everything because I am in all and through all. And so as we go <laughs> into this week, I want us to kind of reflect. I want us to reflect on this idea of where do we need to let Christ dwell? Where do we need to just let Christ do the thing that Christ wants to do in our life? Where do we need to let Christ rule? And then the next thing is, where is God teaching us and calling us to go teach and encourage others? And to me, I think this is one of our biggest challenges. Where is he calling us to go and teach and encourage others? Because I, what I've found is that even in my own life, I'm just like, yeah, that's not my job to teach them. That's, you know, in a specific field or in a specific place. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's not your job to teach them specifically in a field that you're not an expert in, but the reality is that God has called us to go and teach and to speak into each other's lives. And so who has God brought into your life that you can speak life into? And who do you need to learn from? Who has God also brought into your life where you need to go to them and say, hey, I want to let you teach me. I want to let you into that place of intimate relationship and vulnerability and trust. And then finally, how is God calling us to walk in the life that is worship in all that we do? What is the song that our life is writing? What is the hymn that our life is writing? Can people look at our lives? Can people look at us? Can people see us? Can they know, man, there's something different about them. They live for different means. They live for different ends. They live for different goals. They seem to be glorifying something other than themselves in all that they do. I wonder what that is. So the question is, and I think that this is where I need you to teach me some. This is where I'm still learning and growing and discovering, and I think we all are, if we're really honest. What does this life look like that is a life on worship all the time that glorifies God in and through all things? I need help here. We need each other here. And the beautiful thing is that we've been given some songs, we've been given some hymns of our people to celebrate what it is. And so I hope that we can pray those things. I hope we can sing those things. But I also hope that God would move in us in a way that we would take stories, take stories like what Julius told us about what she experienced in Africa, that we might be able to put that into song in some way. My hope is that you wouldn't leave this place and that you wouldn't forget the story that Julie told this morning. But I know just statistically speaking, like 70% of us are going to forget. And if I were to ask you, hey, what did Julie talk about last week, Sunday? You're going to be like, uh, she said some words. But I want you to know, she told an incredible, incredible story this morning. 
about what it is to just be, about what it is to just be present, about what it is to love people and for that to be enough. Because we live in a society of doers where it's do, do, do all the time and achieve and it's about benchmarks and it's about executing. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is that execution looks like being present and loving. And that just looks like relationship and sometimes that looks like sitting. And sometimes that looks like sitting and listening for a long time. And in that, God is blessing it and he's using it. And so I just want to encourage one another and I want to encourage us in the songs that God has given us to what it means to be a redeemed people. To be a people that has set our sights above. We've been talking about this for the last month, what it is to look towards heaven. That we've been given a prayer for heaven to come to earth. That we've been given a job to be priests among the nations. And we've been given this vision in the Bible of what it looks like for heaven present, I mean heaven future, to come crashing into earth present now. And so that's my encouragement to us as we go this week and as we reflect on these words of Paul, that we would let Christ rule, and that as Christ rules, we would also go worshiping. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have to be together and be encouraged by one another. God, I thank you for this time that we're going to step into, into song, into worship, to be reminded of, about who we are because of who you are. God, I pray that these songs and the, these hymns and the, these psalms that we have in your word, that they would bring peace to our hearts, that they would take away anxiety, that they would take away fear. God, I pray that where there is brokenness, that you would bring healing. God, where there is sorrow, that you would bring joy. God, I pray that you would bring people into our sorrow to sit and be present and to minister with one another. That you'd bring people into our joy to celebrate and praise you in the middle of life. God, teach us to become more like the people that you want us to be. And God, give us the humility and the strength to let you do it. So God, this morning, my prayer for myself and the prayer for this church is, God, we will let you come that we would surrender to you and allow you to rule in our hearts. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you're so gracious and that you're so kind. In your name we pray. Amen.